Fuck what they talk about. I've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child. Yeah. Getting it every day, I'm working sun up till the sun down. Yeah. I'm getting it every day, these niggas hating, trying to see how I do this shit. Bitch, I'm not new. What's up, guys? It is Jake here with Sam for another, uh, I guess, edition of uh, whatever you want to call the the weekly review, weekly audit, whatever you want to call it, of, uh, of the markets this week. So glad to have Sam on here, and, and uh, we'll keep it pretty quick today, but wanted to uh, get on here and give you guys some value. So here we go. What's going on, guys? Happy Friday. It's been a week. It's been a week. Um, <laughs> Well, I'll let you start off with maybe maybe something you're thinking about, Sam, and then we'll go into some some other stuff that I want. Yeah, just uh, quickly touching on the markets this week. Seeing a fair amount of volatility. Volatility spike, spiked pretty handedly on Wednesday. Um, so when we talk about volatility, just to break that down for everyone listening at home, there's something called the VIX. Um, which measures the volatility of the S&P 500. What we mean by that is people go into the market and they, they buy protection for the downside. They normally express that via options. And so what the VIX does is it measures the difference of buying and selling or the speed at which people are buying and selling options. When that activity picks up rapidly, typically, it means that there's a lot more um, implied movement in the market. So as volatility picks up, those options, that protection on the downside, um, becomes much more expensive. So the market um, implies, it's called implied volatility, it implies that the index is going to move a certain percentage per day. So that's when you start to see, you go from a normalized range of, let's say, 1% move in a day. So it could be down 50 basis points and then up 50 basis points or half a percent. Well, as volatility starts to pick up, those moves become much wider. So you might see a 2% move in the S&P 500 in a day in either direction or a 3% move or in times of great volatility, a 4% move. And so that's something that we watch pretty closely because when volatility picks up, um, things get a little more treacherous out there. So this is the first week that um, the NASDAQ is trending in uh, trending for a loss. So the last three weeks, NASDAQ has been positive. And overall, markets are pretty amicable. We got the uh, Fed minutes this week. We got weekly unemployment claims this week. And what we're seeing is that the job market is extremely robust. So the economy is very strong right now. And I know this kind of flies in the face of what we were talking about earlier in the week, mm. saying that, you know, we're going to go into a deceleration period. And so it's really hard to hold these two concepts um, at the same time. But what happens when you have a very, very strong labor market and you have very high inflation so is the federal. Yeah. What's, what is it? What do you mean by labor market? Say, go yeah, a little, yeah. little bit. Yeah. So. Um, good point. So right now there's way more jobs open than there are unemployed people. And so what that means is theoretically everyone in the U S that's unemployed right now could get a job. 
because there's way may not be the job they want, but the job openings are there for them. Right. And so the federal is very high demand for, for, for yeah, there's very high demand for labor across the board. I mean, we saw yesterday Walmart came out and said they're paying up to $110,000 for first year truckers. You know what? I actually saw on a billboard yesterday. I don't know where I was. I think I was on highway six and uh, it said $1,500 a week guaranteed, like guaranteed base minimum. That's $72,000 a year plus an $8,000 signing bonus. So you're at 80,000 starting. Yep. Pretty insane. So, so we're seeing that across the board, right? Very tight labor market, particularly for jobs that are sub six figures. So normally, you know, any of your labor oriented type jobs, now those jobs are moving over six figures now, um, but a lot of labor and service-based jobs are open right now. And so if we look back and we say, what is the Federal Reserve's mandate, right? So the Federal Reserve, for those that aren't familiar, the Federal Reserve um, is a separate entity. They're very closely connected to the government, but it's our central bank, right? Um, and they have several levers that they can use to manipulate the economy or that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. They're very helpful during the COVID pandemic. Um, but their, their goal, their stated goal is to maintain full unemployment and keep inflation under control. Paraphrasing a bit there for those at home, but, right. um, right now, employment is maintained fully, right? We, we have a very, we've got the lowest unemployment numbers in 50 years. So that's pretty robust from a, a labor supply. Uh, however, inflation is not under control, clearly. Right. It's way and out of control. Way out of control. And so Federal Reserve is saying, look, we're going to start raising interest rates. And so let's tie all this together now, right? Why, why would interest rates affect anything? Well, whenever you make money more expensive to borrow, just like we were talking about on the last podcast, where when interest rates move up 2% on the 30-year fixed mortgage, so the cost that most people have on their, to take a mortgage out on a home, Right. You go from 3% to 5%, that reduces your purchasing power by 25%. So you can see just in that example, how just how much of an effect it has. And what the Federal Reserve is saying is, we're going to come in and make everything more expensive. So what happens when things are more expensive? People buy less of them. Yep. Less demand. Right? It just, it cuts demand down. And the result of that is inflation comes down. Because what, how are prices set? by in a free market economy by supply and by demand right so if you take out a lot of the demand but supply remains constant inflation comes down so this yeah. the i could go into all of the nuances of how those things are affected but i think that that pretty much summarizes where we are right now and the fact that just because we're getting great employment numbers right now doesn't mean it's good necessarily it doesn't mean that it's a great outlook for the economy over the next six months, because typically there's an inflection point when you get to this low of an unemployment cycle, because think about things in, in cycles, right? Yeah, it'll bounce back. And 
you see a ton of growth whenever a lot of new people are being hired. That's a, that's a period that you're inflecting off of a bottom. But then when employment is full, there's not much more room to grow. So right. it's just part of an economic cycle. We've been in an expansionary period, and now we're likely going into more of a contractionary period because there's just not, not many places to go. Right. So on that note, Deutsche Bank came out this week and said that they expect a U.S. recession in 2023. Yeah. And um, while that's, it could be speculation, it could be a very, a very good uh, estimate. Um, I think a lot of people are, are very scared of the word recession. Um, sure. so lay that out there for them and, and kind of explain like, first of all, what, what is a recession? What does it mean? Um, and then maybe, maybe give them some, some info or some, uh, some armor to be like, Hey, all this means is it's a contractionary, um, period of, of growth in the economy. Um, does it mean the world's falling down? Does not mean the sky's falling? It doesn't mean, you know, somebody's going broke over here, which it could mean that, right? Like it could mean somebody's broke over here, right? If it's bad enough. Um, but go ahead and dive into that as, as we sure. get closer. Yeah. I mean, look, the banks are going to put out these, <laughs> these broad forecasts. Um, and it's kind of a CYA, you know, cover your ass type thing. It's like, well, we said we said that there could be a recession next year. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. That was very specific and actionable for me. So I'm going to try and help you guys out and be actually uh, specific and actionable and describe what an, what a recession is. So a recession is just a contraction of or negative GDP growth over a six-month period. So GDP is gross domestic product. Um, so how what is our output as a nation, right? If that declines over a six month period, then we're technically in a recession. That, it's interesting because it's, it's based on the growth from the previous year. And so think about this way. If you were growing at a 10% rate last year, and now you're just even with what you were putting out last year. So you went from growing, you were at 100 last or two years ago, then you were at 110 last year. And then you're just trying to maintain 110 this year. So you're still at a higher level than you were two years ago. You're just not, or you're at 109 with technically a recession. You're not, you're not a higher high. Yeah. And so you're, you've moved higher. Um, so things can still be okay during a recession, but all of this really just comes down to rate of change, right? So we've had such a big run-up in the economy. We've had such massive growth. It, it's going to be hard to maintain that. And that's been my point, you know, for these past few weeks is we've had such a massive move um, based on easy comparisons in 2020. So in 2020, everything just completely fell out. The floor fell out from the bottom. Um, but then in 2021, we had this massive, government transfer payment, which is the government moving money from their reserves or printing money in this case into everyone's pockets, right? And so then there's this huge amount of fiscal stimulus, stimulus that comes from the government and the Federal Reserve made money very cheap. And so the result of that is that things skyrocketed, right? Retail, retail sales 
skyrocketed. And at-home purchases, I mean, just every sector lit up because there was this massive amount of money that just flew in. And now we don't have that. And we're slowing from where we were at that point. So things can still be okay, but we're contracting. It's based on the rate of change of things. Right. Yep. So faster rate of change, the probably probably more more painful it will be. Right. right. Uh, which is why the COVID was so, I guess, shocking. I mean, it, it came up really fast, but like it was so shocking because you went from all-time highs to being 30% lower in three weeks. Like it right. was just, it was just stupid. And I, that may be wrong. It may be less, but um, yeah. So I, I think, uh, you know, recession is a scary word, but I think that's, that puts it to in, in, uh, in better terms and, and puts it in, in perspective. Um, let me think. Um, I want to talk about, this is just a headline that we yeah. talk, I talked about this morning. So, um, first of all, the, the 30 year, uh, fixed interest rate from Fannie Mae, um, which is a huge, uh, loan company, uh, backed by the federal government, uh, on today, they say four, eight at eight fifteen Eastern time, the, um, the interest rate for 30 year mortgage was a 4.398%. So we've actually, I, I guess we've come down from last week a little bit where we hit five, um, we're still fairly high above where we were two months ago at three. Um, so that's definitely going to be interesting, interesting to watch the next few weeks. Um, what do you think that, what do you think mortgage rates do over the course of the next nine months or maybe the next three, three to six months? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that that number you cited is correct, actually. Um, well, that was from Fannie Mae. Yeah, but the, the national average, if you look at bankrate.com, is 4.89. Okay. So we're still, we're still really high up there. This must be just, just, just Fannie Mae by itself. Yeah, yeah, it's probably just Fannie Mae. Gotcha. Um, no, but the, so the we haven't really changed very much then. Yeah, the thirty-year fixed rate is still five point zero four. We're still up there. So, yeah, we're still. Yeah, Fannie Mae is at four point two six. Um, VA is at four point three six. But anyways, um, you know where we go from here is interesting. Uh, I think the Federal Reserve is going to keep keep raising rates. And right now they haven't raised rates to nearly where the market has put them at, but really it comes down to inflation. I think things come back down by next year. When I say things, I mean, I think rates come back down as inflation subsides, but I think there is still probably pain in the short term. I gotcha. So are, are you talking, are you talking federal, uh, like the Fed interest rate or mortgage yeah. interest rates? Well, I'm talking the Fed interest rate, but that affects mortgage rates. Right. Because everything can goes up along that line. So the Fed the Federal Reserve interest rate is short-term rates, right? Yeah. It's the, the rate at which they lend to banks. But all of that feeds down the ecosystem. Yep. Yep. Uh, so this is one thing I found last night that I wanted to talk about. And it it uh, Zach would, would have a ball on this because um, <laughs> he loves Palantir. And I, I like Palantir too, but um, so... <laughs> 
let's see. One of Palantir's old founders, who is no longer with them. Um, so it it kind of stems from when Palantir, PL, uh, ticker symbol PLTR, um, partnered with Freddie Mac um, back during the housing crisis to build technology to um, sort of mitigate the, the mortgage credit loss during during 08, 09. Um, and then now what what that old founder is trying to do is sort of streamline the underwriting process of, of uh, real estate mortgage loans for investors and home buyers alike um, through a Palantir inspired technology um, that streamlines and has algorithms um, to underwrite. And all that means is like they go look at all of the financial situation of the buyer, um, you know, income, debt to income ratios, um, outstanding debt, um, defaults, bankruptcies, foreclosures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, to see if they're a good borrower. And essentially one of the, um, one of the big things I see on this, and let me find it real quick. That way I'm not wrong. But, uh, one of the big things that people worried about was if you use an, just an algorithm, you know, the internet to underwrite mortgages, well, is that going to be like trustworthy? Like, can you actually trust that? So they have, they have, um, closed over $600 million of mortgages to date using its, uh, algorithmic technique. Um, and it's seen a total of just three defaults. Um, and they're, they're working in the, the one to four residential area. So they're not working in like huge loans. Um, so they're working in the, the single family homes and then the duplexes, the triplexes, the fourplexes, stuff like that, where people are, you know, they're either living in the houses or they're making a very, very conservative estimate, sorry, investment usually because people who are buying fourplexes aren't really like huge funds that are just throwing money around, right? The funds are going to go buy a hundred unit apartments. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, cause I, I deal with, with loan originators all the time and. And we see a lot of underwriting and it takes a while, like two to three weeks at a time um, and sometimes longer. And uh, and they are claiming that they can get this underwriting done in days to a week. And that, that would be a huge deal to, let's say, whenever you want to go offer on a house and you have a loan. Usually you're minimum 30 days out for closing. 30 to 45 days is pretty standard. Now, I mean, with cash money, you can close 10 to, 10, 10 to 14 days whenever title, title commitment comes back. Um, now, if you can get underwriting done in a week and approve, I mean, now the only thing you're waiting on is the appraisal, really. And yeah. uh, I think they're, they're figuring that out right now, too, if Fannie and Freddie are. And uh, so if, if, that, if they can get those to where it's like, hey, we're going to close and these people are good, we can close in 14 days, I think we'll see a big, 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 big shift in competition um, between cash and, and financing because the, I think they're just trying to bridge the gap between, oh, financing isn't better and cash isn't better. I mean, there's really no difference. It's, it's the same money at the end of the day you get. Um, yeah. It's just sort of the, the process to get there, um, which they don't trust. And so now they're trying to gain, gain back that trust. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Certainly. They've done a couple of, of fundraising rounds, and uh, I think they've 
They have raised $135 million so far, $25 million of venture capital, $110 million of debt. And they are already profitable. Um, and they gained, so they grew 900% year over year last year, which is pretty insane. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. You got anything else? No, I think that's great. Uh, good recap for the week. Hope everybody has a good weekend. Stay safe. Make some money. That's it. That's all we're trying to do. I appreciate <laughs> you guys. Thanks for listening. All right. See you next week, guys. Later. Fuck what they talk about. I've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child. Yeah, getting it every day. I'm working sun up till the sun down. Yeah, I'm getting it every day. These niggas hating, trying to see how I do this shit. Bitch, I'm not new.